Praise God. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. I mentioned briefly about new seasons. And as I've spoke over the last couple of um, services about this being September, which is back to school and so forth, many times in places of business, it's the beginning of a new quarter. And so things are different and things are changing in a different direction. Well, it's the same thing for us as Christians, the same thing for us as children of God. As we go through life, there are seasons in our lives. As there are seasons in the physical year, there are spiritual seasons. And September is going to be a new spiritual season for us. It's time for us to seriously consider where we've been and where we are going with our lives in the Lord. If we're going to truly, truly benefit from all of the wondrous things that he has in store for us. In order to do this, we must know what is God's will for our lives. We need to know what is God's will for our lives. Many times we've sat back in the quiet of night or during a quiet time during the day, and you've kind of pondered and wondered, Lord, what is it that you want for me? What is my purpose in life? You want to know, who am I? Why am I here? What is my identity? What is my, my purpose? Just what, what's the meaning? Well, first, you need to know why God made you. In order for you to start, we have to start at the beginning and answer the question, why did God make me? You need to know that you, you are a, a, um, a product of the creator. You were made and shaped by God. You can learn a whole lot about yourself by looking at your heavenly father. So when you have that question, who am I? You can learn a lot about yourself by looking at your heavenly father. God is your father and you are made in his image. You are also three in one. God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You also are three in one. You have this physical body that helps us to get around in the three-dimensional world, the planet Earth as it is. You have a soul, which is the mind, the seat of your emotions, your personality. And then, of course, there's the spirit. We are a body, mind, or soul, and spirit. Of course, the real you is the spirit. That's why the word of God says that you were made in God's image, because God is a spirit, you see. And if you realize that the true you, you know, you can't see in the life that we're living now on this physical plane, this physical earth, you can't see the real me because the real me is a spirit because I'm made in God's image. What I'm looking at here, you all are representations of your real selves, which is the spirit. This is why we, once we understand that we're made in God's image, that all, all bigotry, all biases goes out the window. There's no issues for white, black, yellow, brown, green, purple, polka dot, because we are all spirits. Okay? If we're made in God's image and God is a spirit, and can a spirit be seen? A spirit, what color is a spirit? A spirit is colorless. So therefore, the real you has no color to it. Amen? There's no ethnicity there except the fact that we are all of the same, quote-unquote, same species as God. Your spirit, with the renewed mind in Christ Jesus, is the source of your conscience, or your God conscience. You are the only creation on this earth that has a God awareness. So when you hear people talk about evolution and we came from monkeys and all that nonsense, no, 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 I didn't come from any monkey, because there's not another creature on this planet earth that has a God consciousness. 
A dog has feelings. You kick a dog. Even if you're, if you're angry with a dog, you'll see the dog react. The dog will be sad. It will whimper away with its tail between its legs and so forth. If you're mistreating an animal, you know, the dog may look, look, look very sad and you can see it in his eyes and so forth. But that dog has no consciousness of praying to God. That dog cannot pray to God and say, God, get this master off of me. Stop him from kicking me. A monkey has no consciousness of God. But you being made in God's image, you have an awareness of God, which puts us in a very, very special place. It gives us a very special relationship with God. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 15 to 23, it focuses on, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians here, because everything that we say here, we have to be able to balance it off the, the word of God. Not based on my opinion or something that I, that I dreamed up or thought up and whatnot. It has to be based on the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. One Corinthians. Chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse number 9. Chapter 6, verse number 9. Know you not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? (laughs) That's a mouthful right there. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, rivalers, nor um, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for God and the Lord for the body. And God hath not raised up the Lord and shall not raise and and will also raise us up uh, by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Please highlight or underline that, please. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and not and you are not your own? Underline 19, verse or highlight it. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So understanding that, first of all, that relationship to God starts us on our journey. 
in understanding what our purpose is. We are joined when you become a born again child of God and you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This miraculous thing takes place in your spirit where the spirit of God is joined with your spirit. That right there takes you to a different a different place. You're no longer the way you were before you before you knew the Lord. The reason that God made you like him is so you have you can have a relationship with him. God made you like him so he can have a relationship with you. If you will, in a manner of speaking, if you will, in a manner of speaking, you are the same species of God, so to speak. Now, I'm not saying that you're God. I'm not saying that at all. But in being that we are spiritual beings and we're made in God's image because God wants to have a relationship with, with us. I remember that there was a time that I seemed to continually wrestle with knowing God's will for my life. I wanted more than anything to follow his plan. Interestingly, when there are challenges going on in life, I still want to make sure that I'm following God's plan. It doesn't just start out when you're a young person wanting to know what God's plan is. There are times all throughout your life that you you, you just kind of wonder, Lord, am I on track? Because life is what it is. Life is what it is. I've come to learn that this is not just something that a young person does, but it is a challenge that goes on and on and on because we are growing in God. Let no one say just because you've been born again for 35, 40, 50 years that you've come to the nth degree of knowledge in God and you've come to the final, final place and that's it. You don't have to learn anymore because that's not true. God's knowledge is, is infinite. God's knowledge is, is so boundless it can't be categorized. But God does want to teach you things. He does want to share with you the deeper things of him. He wants to share with you the deeper things of yourself that you are yet to understand. You see? But you've got to desire it and you've got to want to know what it is and to realize that it's a lifelong pursuit. So then how can we know God's plan for our lives? Well, today that's what we're going to be going over. I'm going to give you eight vital points or eight key points. So if you've got something to write on or a computer thing to take some notes, please do give you eight points to to look at on how you can actually become to know what your purpose in life is. And you can. You can. It is not God's will that we should just kind of stumble through, you know, this life. You know, um, the same way when we take on a new job or any new uh, thing in your life and you want to accomplish doing it. Well, it takes some it takes some work sometimes. It takes some practice. It takes some digging. It takes some organizational thought. We as Christians, we as children of God, it is not enough for us. If we really want to experience God and experience his wonders, it is not enough for us simply to just go to church once a week, spend a couple of hours and then the rest of the week, ignore your Bible, not praying to the Lord. OK, it takes more than that. God wants us to really, really, really get in close with him. So we're going to look at these things tonight, today. The first key, key number one, is walk with God. Walk with God. For starters, if you are really interested in knowing God's plan for your life, then you must learn to walk with God. For starters, if you're really interested, you have to learn to walk with God. You need to develop a relationship with him. Christianity is all about relationship rather than just religion. Let me say that again. Christianity is all about relationship more than just religion. Okay? And how do we know that? Look at what, look at, look at the, the, the four gospels alone. Look at what Jesus Christ was ministering and talking about. When he came to this earth, I mean, we had the, a time, at the time, the Jewish establishment, the Pharisees and the scribes and, and, and so on. I mean, they were the ruling Jewish, Jewish class. 
Jesus did not come here and support what they were talking about. Jesus came and talked about some very fundamental things like love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Jesus really upset the apple cart because he was talking about relationship building. Relationship building, not so much with other Christians. Yeah, we should. But the main relationship is with God. So if you want to know your, per- your, 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 your purpose in life, it starts with that relationship thing. And in order to build that and to cultivate that relationship, you must seek to know him and not just seek to know about him. All right. You must seek to know him, not simply seeking to know about him. Seeking to know about God is an intellectual exercise. Okay, I can read a whole bunch of theological books and read about God, know about what deity is and so on like that. Okay, but seeking to know God is something entirely different. If you seek to know me, you may find out my address. Know about me. You may find out my address. You may go on Facebook. No, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Forget that won't work. You may go through Google or something. You may find me. Okay, but that is to find out about me. But if you want to to know me, to get to know me, you've got to actually come to where I am. You've got to reach out to talk to me. You've got to ask me questions. You've got to, 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 to feel me out, to understand the depth and breadth of my knowledge and where I am. That's how you get to know me, not just knowing about me. So if you just know about God, you're doing yourself a great disservice because you will never really get to understand God's purpose for you because you don't know him. So the first one is, is that to build that relationship, our walk with God. You will cultivate that relationship best by spending time in his word. The word is God. Okay. John 1 puts it so eloquently. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was with God. Amen. Amen. Now this is referring to, of course, Jesus Christ. But the word, the word here is Jesus speaking to you through God, the Father's words, through through the movement of Holy Spirit. So that's where that's where it starts. That's how you start cultivating it. Spending time is word, taking time for prayer, taking every opportunity you can to be involved in church and small group Bible study opportunities. When you seek these disciplines in your life, God will begin the first steps of revealing his plan to you. Okay. So once you start really, really showing God that, God, I want to know you more than just know about you and reading his word and getting and getting in touch with his Holy Spirit. This is where God will then say, OK, he or she is serious. They want to know me. When you seek these disciplines, things will start to fall in place. Go to Proverbs three. Proverbs three. And we'll just do five and six. Proverbs three, verse five and six. Um, uh, Yeah, five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Okay, so it starts right there is trusting in God, getting to know him. Okay, knowing about God again, you'll find a whole lot of whole lot of intellectual stuff about him. But knowing him will reveal that, first of all, it starts with trusting in him and not leaning on your own understanding. If you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do in life, what your purpose in life is, believe you me, our little 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 minds up here cannot begin to fathom and understand where God is coming from. 
So when God starts talking to you about what your purpose in life is all about, don't try to figure this thing out and reason it out because you can't lean or trust your own understanding. You've got to just trust God. That's the first thing. So when you're seeking God to know him and want to know about him and you're going into prayer with him, then you've got to make a commitment right there. God, I will hear you and I will trust you and I will not try to reason and rationalize and make sense of what you're telling me to do. I'm going to trust you. The second key point is surrender your will to God's. Now, this is an important one. Surrender your will to God's will. Surrender your will to God's will. Many times when we are seeking God's will, what we are really wanting to say to God is this. Okay, God, here's what I'm planning to do. Now I need you to rubber stamp this or bless this, all right? Many times when we come to God and we, 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 we want something from him, we're trying to figure things out, we're really saying to God, this is what I want to do. Will you just bless it and rubber stamp it? This is your will. It's not God's will. I must tell you that this is not really effective in finding out God's true will. If you ever start going before God and you already have your agenda laid out, what you want to do, then that's not surrendering to God's will. Because you don't know where God wants you to be. So I guarantee you that as, as, as good as your intentions might be, that might not be where God wants you to be. Before God will begin to reveal his will to you, you must be committed to doing whatever it is that he desires for you to do. God will likely be slow to show you his plan if he knows that you will most likely not do the plan anyway. Okay? If God knows deep in your heart that you're not totally committed to him and that you're truly not saying, Lord, what's your plan for your life, for my life, Lord? You're praying that. But deep in your heart of hearts, you're saying, oh, gee, but I hope he doesn't send me on missions. Oh, gee. Hope he doesn't stand me to stand to tell me to stand up on the bus and start proclaiming the gospel. You know, it's OG and OG, OG. All right. So God's not going to start telling you his will for your life, for your life. If he knows that already you've got your mind already made up, that you're going to be very, very picking and choosing what it is that you want to do. Before God will begin to reveal his will to you, you must be committed to doing whatever it is that he desires for you to do. God will likely be slow to show you that plan if you don't. Let's go to Romans 12. Praise the living God. Romans chapter 12. God is good all the time. Okay. Chapter uh, chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Underline, please, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed to the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Verse two again. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, renewing your mind. The mind up here is where the battle takes place. The mind is where the devil gets in and tells you that you're not going to succeed. 
The mind is where the devil gets in and tells you, what do you mean purpose for your life? You know, God doesn't have a purpose for your life. You're just an inconsequential thing. You're going to live here for X number of years and you're going to go on and that's going to be the end of it. The mind is where you start listening to other people. Because while you may be wanting to do what God wants you to do, other people will come your way and start telling you and whispering unto you, you don't really need to do that. Or that's old fashioned thinking. So don't be conformed to this world. Okay, but your mind and Romans, Romans eight, chapter eight goes a lot into the renewing of your mind. This is why Ephesians six talks about the harm, the armor of God. And one of them is the is the helmet of salvation, the helmet to protect your mind. So that's one of the first things that you have to do. You have to realize that you have to 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 give up those things that the world would have you to have you doing. When we also. Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing to die for us. So shouldn't we be willing to live for him when we surrender to him? That is when he really begins to direct our steps. Okay, so this is where we really have to say, okay, Lord, not your will, not 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 my will, but your will be done. And we as we as human beings, many times we still want to do what we want to do instead of just giving in and say, okay, God, take me to where you want me to be. Key number three is obey what you already know to be God's will. Obey what you already know to be God's will. Many people seem to want to know what God's plan is for their lives, but they overlook the fact that 98% of God's will is already lined out very carefully through his word. You want to know God's will? Look at the word of God. It's there. That's, that's where it starts. God is very clear about many, many aspects of his will. For instance, you take the Ten Commandments, which clearly outlines a plan for how we should live. Do not murder, do not steal, etc. So part of that is right that you know God's will. We as Christians, especially we as Christians, we know the boundaries of where we should be going in our lives. You see, the interesting thing about us born again believers is that you're blood washed and you're born again and the Holy Spirit is in you. You know God's will even as you're going through life. You don't need to have the Bible open 24-7 in front of you, but you're a born-again child of God, and you tell me that there has not been a time in your life where you started to do something, and deep in your spirit you knew that you should not go there. Oh, don't go there, don't go there. Don't buy that computer. (laughs) Don't buy that new iPad. Amen? Amen? And then you push anyway, and the thing you wind up getting is broken. you got to send it back, and it's a big hassle, a big hassle. That's on a very small scale. But more importantly, how many times all of us as children of God would have to say that at some point in our lives, there was something that we started to do or wanted to do, and we knew deep in our spirits we shouldn't go there. Okay? So you know a lot of God's will. You know what it, what it is that's going on. If we do not obey the things that God has shown us clearly to be his will, why would we think that he would reveal any further information regarding his plan for our lives? Obedience is a very important first step. If you're not obeying the part that you know is written right there in front of you in the word of God, and with the Holy Spirit is giving you unctions as you go through life, and you're not willing to follow those, then why do you think God is going to take time to show you the deeper, deeper things of your life, of things to come? You you always heard me talk about giving the keys to your Cadillac to a nine-year-old to go driving. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't trust the kid with those keys. The kid is immature, make bad decisions. Do you think God is going to take you to the next step in your life to show you the deeper things of him? Right? 
you know, the way we are and the way we can be sometimes if God showed us of things to come, of where we're heading, how would we abuse that information? How would we abuse that knowledge? You see? So, so you have to be at this, be to the point where you are already going by 98% of God's will for you according to the word of God. Key number four is to seek godly input. Seek godly input. Now this is an important, I mean they're all important, but this one really, really can, can mean do wonders for your life, but seek godly input. One key component to finding God's will is to seek the input of godly advisors in your life. Seek the input of godly advisors in your life. People who really know and understand the word of God as God intended it to be. I don't mean a man's twisting or man's perversion of interpreting what the word of God says. But, 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 but consult people, have godly advisors in your life that know the word of God and are living by the word of God as best as they can. Who are demonstrating that they are true, true children of Christ and that they are striving to be, to, to be better and to grow in the Lord. Surrounding yourself by good advisors is like having gold because if you surround yourself with the wrong kind of people, you wind up in all sorts of trouble. If you don't currently have good mentors or good spiritual advisors, then I would highly recommend that you seek them out right away. And let me take back that term, spiritual advisor. I don't like that because the only spiritual advisor we have is Holy Spirit, of course. But I'm talking about other brothers and sisters and people in your life that are around you to seek out people that are good advisors. Think of it this way. You should understand that you are basically, you're basically a composite of the people that you spend the most time with. That's who you wind up being. You wind up being a composite. You wind up being parts and bits of pieces of those people that you spend the most time with. Because they wind up influencing your thinking. They wind up giving you advice. Holy Spirit may be telling you to come and pray, and God may tell you something to do really, you know, really, really off, according to your standards. Maybe the wrong kind of advisor will say, well, what sense did that make? Why would God tell you to walk around that place three times and that you get that house? You know, What did God tell Joshua to do? What did God tell Joshua to do about walking around a city with extremely thick walls seven times and blowing trumpets and shouting to the people, and that will make the walls fall down? What if Joshua had said to God, that makes no sense. God, you see the thickness of those walls? Chariots ride around on the top of them. How can blowing trumpets and shouting and marching around seven times, how is that going to make the walls fall down? A bad spiritual advisor will tell you the same thing. Joshua, you don't want to do that. That makes no sense. It's not going to work. Lean not on your own understanding if you really want to know God's purpose for your life. I've told you a dozen times about how one time when I was praying for a woman, the Lord said to walk around her three times. I didn't stop and ask the Lord why I walk around three times. I walked around three times. She was slain in the spirit and she was healed. I didn't question God. This works in the 21st century the same way it worked down and back in 5000 B.C. But you got to get to the point, though, that if you really want to know God's purpose for your life, you've got to tell God, God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. I don't want a purpose that means that all I got to do is every day go out and feed the pigeons on the park bench. That's my purpose, Lord. That'll be good enough for me. I'll sit there and you work the rest out. I need a job, Lord. I'll go out and feed the pigeons while you find a job. No, it doesn't work that way. 
Amen? Amen? So then, it is vital that you choose those people that are around you, that, that they are good, strong, godly advisors. Don't surround yourself with people who are far from God. Your hope of finding his best for your life will be greatly diminished if you surround your people that are far from God. Or if you surround yourself even with people who, and, and this may sound, sound terrible, but it's the God's honest truth, and I have to say the truth, you surround yourself with people that think they know God. And every time you start quoting scripture, they come back and start telling you, well, that's not what that scripture means. It really means this. It really means this. You know what the final answer is? The final answer is this book here. Someone start arguing with you. That's not what the word of God says. The word of God says so and so and so and so. Show me. What chapter? What verse? You show me. And when you read that chapter and verse, Holy Spirit will reveal to you what it means. I know folks that can recite every single book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I know some people that if you tell them the, the type of the scripture, one else, they'll say that's Corinthians 1, verse so-and-so, so-and-so. Then you ask them, how are they using the word of God in their lives? And they can't tell you. How does that apply to your life? They can't tell you. Things of God are not intellectual exercises. It's about relationships with God, relationship with the Holy Spirit, knowing what the word of God is saying, knowing what the word of what the will that God is giving you through his word and being able to follow Holy Spirit to tell you what is right and what is wrong. You need to surround yourself with good counsel, not my words, but the word of God. Let's go to Proverbs again. Proverbs chapter 11. Praise the living God. Lord, what is your will for my life? How will I know it? How will I know it when you start showing it to me? What can I do to prepare so that I can understand your will? Proverbs chapter 11. Just one scripture here, verse number 14. 11 verse number 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Where there is no counsel, people fall. So surround yourselves with good counselors that know the word of God. We all have people that are around us that do not know the word of God, that don't really practice the word of God. We have people all around us, you know, that even go to church every Sunday and so on like that. But you know deep in your spirit where there is good counsel, or you should know in your spirit where there is good counsel and where there is not bad, where where there is bad counsel. Amen? So just be, let Holy Spirit guide you. Let Holy Spirit lead you to those people that you know can give you good counsel. Because if not, then you wind up falling into all sorts of dire straits. The church is designed to help you greatly with this. I would encourage you to be in church every single time the doors are open. The more you involve yourself with a community of believers, the greater your chances will be of finding godly men and women who can help you discern God's will. You know? You know, the word of God says, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. So that means in addition to hearing the word of God and, 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 and being prayed for and being anointed and all of the things that we do in a church service, it's also for being there to fellowship one with the other. Because Holy Spirit, you know, many times, and, and I'm sure many of you may have been there, but you'll have things happening in your life. And at the time, something really bad is going on, you know, something really difficult and something you're trying to pray your way through is happening. The devil will get into your ear and say, you know what, you're the only person that has this problem. No one else is suffering like this. Why? Because God doesn't really love you. 
That's why you're going down the tubes. That's why you're feeling like that. But lo and behold, you go into church and, and all of a sudden there's a sermon one particular Sunday and there's a brother or sister sitting next to you hearing that same sermon. And then after in the parking lot you're talking, and all of a sudden they'll start saying, you know, I have this issue going on with blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the same issue, the same issue that you're dealing with. And you'll find out that you are not the only one that's going through a particular issue. Amen. Even Jesus, even Jesus said, the word of God says, 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 says that we do not have, have, have someone, a representative, a, 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 a shepherd that doesn't understand and feel and has experienced the things that we do. You see? So you have to understand, don't let the devil just make you think that you're the only one. But the only way that you'll get that is if you're starting to surround yourself with good counselors. We're getting to number eight. Number five is pay attention to how God has made you. Number five is pay attention to how God made you. You got to listen to this one. You got to pay attention. Just don't take yourself for granted. God has created you. Hear me when I say this. Because many of us don't believe it. But God has created you to fulfill a specific role in this world. He's created you for a specific role. Many times the devil will lie to you and say, well, you're inconsequential. You're just a low man on the totem pole. You're just a no, 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 no. God does not create people just willy nilly. God does not place a spirit within a physical body just for just, oh, well, this is cool. I think I'll take this spirit and throw it in that. No, no, no. There's a purpose that you're here. I mean, I feel like it all the time, but there's a purpose. There's no one else on this planet Earth who can achieve completely what God has purposely created you to do. Understand that and believe it. There's no one else on this earth that has been created to, to successfully and completely do what God has created you to do. And don't sit back and try and do the numbers. Well, gee whiz, you know, approximately six billion people on earth. And gee whiz, I am, so that means I'm one out of six billion. I mean, what is it that I could be doing that someone else couldn't do? Now you're leaning on your own understanding. God's ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. You have no idea what God has in mind for you and what gifts and what skills he's already placed in you and simply need to be developed. There's no one else that can completely achieve what God wanted you to do. Let's go to 1 Peter 4. You've got to believe that you are someone special. First book of Peter. Chapter 4, verse 10. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability of God which giveth. Let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whatever God has ordained and prepared for you to do, he has prepared specifically for you to do it. Part of how that works is that the 
physical thing that you may be involved with. In other words, the work and where you're going and so on like that is one thing. God has prepared you for that. He will always give you the strength to do that. The know-how, well, how am I going to figure out? I'm not smart enough to do that. I don't have a college degree. I don't this. I don't, I don't. God will give you the know-how to do it. But most importantly is that he's given you the spiritual gifts to get you to succeed in that particular function. Or whatever it is that God is wanting you to do. Each one has received a gift. God has gifted every single one of us to perform a special mission for which we alone are created. That's amazing. When you stop and think about that, you just have to say to yourself, wow. When the devil is telling you that you can't do that, you can't succeed, start thinking and remembering that God prepared you to do whatever it is God is telling you to do. The trick is for you to understand and to know what it is that God is telling you to do. Not something that you are wanting to do. So when you seek to discover God's will for your life, pay attention to how he has gifted you. His plan for you will always be directly related to the gifts that he has bestowed upon you. His plan for your life will always be directly related to the gifts that he has bestowed for you. Amen? Amen? The great news is that you will automatically be good at whatever it is that God has called you to do. If God has really called you to something, you're going to be good. God is not a slacker. God is not some guy down on the the corner street there, you know. If God is preparing you for a work to do, you think he's going to prepare you for that work and set it up for you to do and then have you fail? That wouldn't be very much like a God that loves you. You automatically be able to do what he has called you to do. Number six, key number six here is listen to God's spirit. Listen to God's spirit. Now, this is a part that many of us miss because we start doing things, but we are not listening to God's spirit necessarily. We have to be able to separate. Am I listening to myself? Am I hearing something that some bad counselor is giving me that some bad advisor is telling me to do? Am I listening to something that that, uh, you know, I don't know, some guy in, in the office there is telling me to do or am I listening to God? Listen to God's spirit. I know I experienced a major turning point in my own prayer life. When I learned to simply shut up while I was praying. I finally came upon that. Holy Spirit just said, listen. And I realized that many times we go into prayer and we're so talkative. We've got a whole list of things and people that we're running down. And then, okay, God, I gave you my 15 minutes. Now I got to go to work. Well, guess what? Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is not just you talking to God. You got to remember that prayer is a conversation. It's a dialogue with God. He certainly has a lot more to tell you than you could tell him. So the thing that I learned, I learned after a while there was that I needed to stop and simply shut up while I was praying. And it may seem odd at first, and it seemed odd to me, to me also, but when you start listening to God and asking God, okay, God, I'll listen, this is when the revelations will come. The, this revelation completely changed the way I approached God through prayer. I have added a significant component to my prayer life, listening. Try listening. How many of you actually sit down, kneel down, lay down, or whenever you're praying to God, how many of you you stop? How many of you do you actually just stop and just listen? And you'd you'd be surprised. God doesn't always speak in a big, booming voice. Most of the time he doesn't. What did Elijah say when he was in the, the caves there? He said he went outside listening for God. He said the wind went by and God was not in it. The fire went by and God was not in it. But there was a still, quiet voice. That was God. So one of the things you need to learn is to take time to listen of what God may have to say to you. 
One thing that is helpful, and here's something for you to think about doing, is to bring a notepad. This sounds odd to you? Well, we've got to start thinking seriously about how we're praying to God. Bring a notepad with you. Put it on your bedstand or wherever it is that you're praying. And then write on the, on the pages some things like the following. Now, I'm gonna, I'll read these slowly so you can get them down. What is the next step in my career? Something you may want to ask God. What is the next step in my ministry? What is the next step in my career? What is the next step in my ministry? Okay. Now, what these things I'm going to read to you, these six or or so things I'm going to read to you, it takes a little change in your thinking here because we're so accustomed to sitting down or laying down or kneeling down and praying to God and you're wondering off, you're you're rattling off all the these and thou, bless Aunt Tilly and bless Aunt so and so. Oh Lord, I pray for my job. God wants you to pray specifically. God knows what the need is, but God wants to see you being focused enough to understand how it is you wish help from God. What is the next step for my family? Talking about praying for your family. Besides just saying, Lord, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so in the house and so-and-so. Ask the Lord, what is the next step you want me to do for my family? Ask the Lord, what is the next step for my marriage? Think about that. What is the next step for my marriage? If you're still pursuing education, Lord, what is the next step for my education? And here's one that we should pray about. Instead of asking the Lord, oh, Jesus, I need so much money to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage, to meet this bill. Lord, what is the next step for my finances? What is the next step for my finances? The Lord may give you some insights that would really, really, you know, just take you so surprised if God gave you some strategic answers to those things. Now, I know during my prayer time, I meditate on questions such as the ones that I just mentioned, and often God will start flooding my heart with ideas and information regarding one or more of those questions. But you've got to take time to ask God. Pray, 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 but then spend some time listening. And then you write down what he speaks to your heart. And it's just a wonderful experience when you start sensing his spirit that is on you, that is guiding your thoughts and your words. If you haven't experienced that, one of the most wondrous things you can feel is when you're praying to God and you say, okay, God, what would you like to tell me? He's shown me many times that uh, with great clarity what his will for my life is. And as long as I uh, uh, keep after those experiences, when he talks to me like that, the more changing, life-changing experiences I have in my life. And we go to John 10. We're getting down to closing here. The book of John, chapter 10. John 10. We're talking about some deep spiritual things here, some revelation, knowledge and insights that will help you to understand who you are in God and what your purpose in life is, where he wants you to go. John chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them. I told you and you believe me not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Please underline that, please. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. 27, underline it, highlight it. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I... And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. All right. So the key verse there is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So if you're one of God's sheep, you're one of Jesus' sheep, and you are, if you're a born-again child of God, then you hear his voice, you should be able to recognize his voice. Amen? And when you're in that prayer time and you're just with the Lord, I'm telling you, trust me. No, don't trust me. Trust the word of God. But when you're in that prayer time and you hear God's voice, you will recognize that this is the Lord that is giving you some direction, giving you some instructions on where to go. And then seven here, listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. In addition to listening to the Spirit, I also recommend listening to your heart to understand my point of view here. Consider the following passage. You don't have to go there right now, but it's Psalms 37, where it says there, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Amen? And then maybe we should go there. Just go there real quickly. You can highlight it in your, in your Bibles there. Psalm 37, we've been here a few times, so you may already have it on the line. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, there's something important to understand there. This is an important scripture. It shows me that when I'm walking with the Lord, he will actually let me do some really, really neat things that I actually love to do. When you are close to him, he actually begins to shape your desire so that you desire the things that he has already called you to do. So in other words, when, you, when he says that the word of God is saying that he will give you the desires of your heart, when you are really, really close to God, God will start putting his desires in you. And when you're that close to God and he's giving you his desires, the desires of your heart will also be his desires. You follow what I'm saying? There's not something then that is coming out of left field. If you're really close to God, he shall give you the desires that will benefit you the most. And then those things will become your desires. So he actually begins to shape your desires so that you desire the same thing. So then his plan actually becomes a super exciting adventure. I always have the most fun with the Lord in life when I'm doing his will. And that's because he shapes my heart to want to do the things which he actually created me to do. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy preaching. Lord, give me the message. What would you have me to, what would you have me to say? I enjoy that. And because of the fact that I enjoy doing it, that's what I want to do. Do you follow what I'm saying? Okay? It is not God's will for me to be a football player. So therefore, I have no desire. I have no joy out of the prospect of a football game coming up where I'm the quarterback in it. God is not, God forbid, God has not designed me to do that. But his will for me, what he wants me to do, winds up being what I want him to do. What I want to do. So therefore, God will fulfill it. The last point here, and then we'll be closing. The last point here is number eight. I said there'd be eight keys, eight points. The last one is to take a look at your circumstances. Take a look at your circumstances. Look at what's going on around you. God often clearly demonstrates his plan for our lives by lining up circumstances, sometimes in some very obvious ways. He also shows us what he doesn't want us to do. And that's something we need to start looking at. Are we understanding what God doesn't want us to do? Take a look at your circumstances and if God is behind what is going on that is around you. 
You know, as I talked about the football game before, you know, you're five foot six and you weigh 125 pounds. It's not likely that God has created you to play professional football. Over the years, I have discovered that God is pretty good at opening and closing doors. He even did that for the Apostle Paul and, and his entourage in Acts. You know, in Acts chapter 16 there where he was uh, uh, going through the region of Galatia, Galatia and God told him, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go over here to Macedonia. And, of course, Paul was obedient, and he went to Macedonia, and that's where there were some blessings that need to be carried, where God's work needs to be done. So you need to look at, look at your environment, what is going on around you. Therefore, even Paul had to face closed doors in his ministry. God oftentimes will use closed doors to show us clearly what he does not want us to do. What he does not want us to do. He also uses open doors at times to show us what he does want us to do. So if God closes one door and you're resting in him and you're knowing that you're doing his will, God will open the other door for you. Of course, this does not mean that every open door is definitely God's plan, but it does help to give you some basic direction. So the next time in closing here, the next time you begin to ponder God's plan for your life, I would encourage you to think about the eight points that we just went over. Use these principles to help you to zero in on his plan. And when you seek his will earnestly, you see, the whole thing is that God looks at your heart. God knows how much you really, really want to, 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 to do his will. God really, want, really, really looks in your heart and, 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 and knows that when you come to the point that, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of failing, I'm tired of doing this, I'm tired of just drifting. Lord, I know there's some direction you want me to take, but Lord, what is it? This is what I'd like to do. This is where I'd like to go. Make sure that this is what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. And when God puts in your heart what it is that, that, that he wants you to do, and then you'll notice all of a sudden then, because you're, you're wishing to please him, then that becomes your will, that becomes your desire, then it will be a lot easier for you to accomplish. So, don't think that you're just a, an idle afterthought of God. Don't think that you're just drifting through life. Every single decision that you make, minute by minute, day by day, is something that God is urging you to do. And if you're giving in to that urge, then you're in line with his will. And God knows what he may have in store for you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.